Thank you all for the beautiful singing this morning. It's a joy to preach after the, the auditorium, the sanctuary is filled with the praises of God's people. I'm going to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 17, verse 27 today. The title of today's sermon, and there's something fishy going on with that temple tax. God's inexhaustible provision. So kids, I'm going to need you all to do something for me this morning, all right? Since y'all are in the service, I'm going to need you to keep your parents awake, okay? Just pay attention so you can watch them and make sure their eyes aren't glazing over this morning. Good to have y'all in the service with us today. Uh, Matthew 17, verse 27. We'll get there in a moment. Um, It was in 1969, the very first episode of the acclaimed series, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You?, comes on the broadcast. Title, What a Night for a Night. K-N-I-T. And Fred uttered for the first time the words that would become familiar to Scooby-Doo fans everywhere. There's something fishy going on here. Now Fred was right. There was something fishy going on in the museum that night. You see, well, there, well I won't give it away. You might not have seen it yet. But anyway, there was something fishy going on. And normally when somebody says there's something fishy going on, What they mean is something's off. Something's different. We can't see everything that's happening. There's things going on behind the scenes that we're not aware of. Usually it's bad, but in our case today, there was something good fishy going on. It's a good thing. Something going on here is certainly not normal. You'll see in a moment. Certainly didn't see all that was happening behind the scenes. But it was something good. Something fishy was going on. And it was a good thing. God was about to bring blessing and provision. Let's read about that. Let's let's stand this morning in honor of the reading of God's Word. Matthew 17, verse 27. The Word of God says this, However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and for recording these stories. John tells us there are many uh, that that wouldn't even fit into all the books of the world. So many things you've done. We get to see some of these wild things, some of these incredible things. Lord, these things that teach us. And today we want to hear today about how you can provide in the most unusual ways, about how your provision is sufficient and inexhaustible. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So first I want to say to you, as you look at this passage, you might be familiar with it. Yes, this passage is about a lot of things besides provision. It's about Jesus' power over nature and the the miracles that are happening here. it's, It's about Jesus' preeminence as the Son of God, the Son of the King. We'll talk about that briefly. And it's also about how Jesus concedes to the religious leaders of the day so as not to offend them and in order to accomplish His will. We'll cover that a little bit, but but mostly we're going to look at the very last portion here, this last verse that talks about God's provision. From this one verse today, I think we can see several clues or hints or tips or points of how God intends to provide for His people. His people, that is you and me those who follow the Lord. And we'll see today from this list, one, God's provision was made for their needs. 
Two, God's provision was found in obedience. Third, the sources of God's provision are inexhaustible. And finally, God's provision yields faith or more provision. So first, let's take a look at the first point here. God's provision was made for their needs. God's provision was made for their needs. And yes, it was a need of sorts. They had a need to pay this temple tax in order not to offend the Jewish leaders and their people. So what exactly was a temple tax? I mean, we know what tithes and offerings are. If you've been in church very long, you've heard about that. And we know what that is, but what in the world is a temple tax? I mean, we don't do that, do we? There was not somebody here, you know, bugging you for a cover charge, I hope. If there was, let me know. We'll take care of that. I'll refund your money. We don't do that. So what is the temple tax? Well, at this point in time, the Jewish people are subjects of Rome, and so they couldn't get away with a lot, but they were allowed to do this. They were allowed to collect a quote-unquote tax, right, for the ministry and support of the temple. It wasn't legally binding. They couldn't throw you in jail if you didn't pay it. But it was something that they exacted from the people. Look back at verse 24. When they, the disciples, came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax, or the tribute, went up to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the tax? So yeah, in the King James it says tribute. The, the original text here is just didrachma, the two drachma tax. So there's some guys coming around to collect this. And it was similar to tithes and offerings, but over and above. You didn't really have to have to pay it, but you kind of looked like, you know, you weren't very religious if you did. You kind of looked like you weren't on the same team with us. And so people just paid it. It was the right thing to do. They paid it. But Jesus didn't have to pay it, and he pointed out why. He says in verses 25 through 26, he talks to Peter, and he says, Listen, what do you think, Simon? Who do people on the earth, who do the kings of the earth take taxes from? From their own kids? From their sons? Or from everybody else? And Peter says, well, everybody else. Jesus says, well, the sons are free, but we'll go ahead and pay it. We'll go ahead and pay it because we don't want to cause offense here. He pays the tax not because he owes it, but because he wants to be able to minister to these people, and he doesn't want to, to put a stumbling block in front of them that's not necessary. These are the people he's trying to draw into the kingdom, so he doesn't want to offend them. And just a side note here, there's a greater principle at work here. You and I need to take up this principle in our whole lives, in the church, and everything we do. We don't want to put anything between another person and God except the gospel. We shouldn't put any stumbling blocks there. No roadblocks, no hoops to jump through. And if we can do something to lessen that offense that we might be giving or whatever it is, we should do that. Because the gospel itself is incredibly offensive. It is horrifically offensive. It is so offensive, in fact, that nobody could respond to it were God not helping us and overcoming and illumining our eyes to the gospel truth. So Jesus says, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to offend. We're going to pay the tax. They had a need to pay the tax. So there was a need. But I also want you to notice that this provision that God provided was sufficient. It, it was sufficient. It didn't come up short. You know, they each needed two drachmas. You're probably not familiar with ancient Near Eastern coinage, I'm guessing. 
So I'm going to give you a heads up here. Two drachmas, four drachmas, excuse me, is worth one shekel. In some of your translations, it may say stater. That's the same thing, a stater and a shekel is the same thing, at least the same denomination. So they needed four shekels, two drachmas apiece, all right, got this. Okay, kids, y'all are not in school yet, time to do a little preschool math. What do you get when you add one half to one half? You got one half a pizza and half a pizza, you get, did somebody say it? A whole. You get one. You get a whole, so they need one shekel, right? Okay, they needed one shekel, and what did they get? Anybody? They got one shekel. They didn't get three quarters of a shekel. They didn't get 90% of a shekel. God provided, listen to me, God provided enough. He supplied enough to cover their need. Philippians 4.19, Paul tells us that God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He will supply every need. It's important in stories like these to see what happens, but it's likewise important to see what does not happen so that we don't build kind of false beliefs and doctrines on things that aren't really there. So what does not happen in this story? God does not send a fish with a belly full of gold coins, right? Would that have been hard for God to do? Just give them tons and tons of money? No, it wouldn't have been hard. God could have given Peter wealth greater than Solomon like this. It wouldn't have been hard for God. It's not as if he was straining to give him a shekel. It's not as if this was this was pushing God the Almighty to the bounds of what he could do, like God barely got that shekel out there to Peter. You know, he wasn't doing that. He could have given him any amount of money that he wanted, but he didn't. He gave Peter and Jesus intentionally a very specific amount. So let me, let me ask us today a pointed question. How often are we disappointed when God gives us enough? of abundance does it bother you when you have just barely enough wow I need it man God barely gave me what I needed he almost didn't make it I almost had to do without just gave me enough consider this maybe that's the exact amount God wanted you to have enough not necessarily just in money, but in anything, any need that we have, just enough. Now, the Lord will bless us many times with abundance, but He doesn't promise to do that all the time, and we can't presume upon that. Friends, learn to give thanks for enough. He provided what they needed and no more. He promises only enough to supply our every, what? Need. Our every need. They needed a shekel. They got a shekel. Well, maybe you're sitting out there thinking, well, <laughs> that sounds great, preacher, but God didn't do that for me. I didn't get what I needed. I've needed things before, and God didn't give it to me. He didn't supply my needs. I needed this. I needed that. God never gave it to me. Well, I can't answer that question for you standing up here without discussing with you what happened, but I can tell you a couple things you might want to think about. One, if God didn't supply it, then ask yourself, did I really need it? Or did I just really want it? 
Did I think I needed it? Did I see somebody else with it? Thought I ought to have it? Did I really need it? If God in His infinite wisdom decided not to bless you with that, then maybe you didn't need it after all. And secondly, I do believe there are times when we have sin in our lives that stands in direct opposition to God's provision. It can nullify, thwart, stand in the way of God's provision. I'm going to hopefully mention a case that doesn't relate to anyone here, but if it does, that's the Lord's providence there. An example, suppose there was a man who was a compulsive gambler. He's self-centered, thought of himself. He had a family to feed, but instead... He drives across the state line with his paycheck, spends it all on scratch-off tickets, come home with no money to pay the rent, and then turns around to write the check and shakes his fist at God and says, God, where are you? You're supposed to supply my needs. I need rent money. You're not supplying it. Now, can that man stand justified before the Lord? No. He ought not to expect the Lord to overcome his disobedience. Now, the Lord might. Maybe sometimes he's done that for you. What a gracious God we have that he would do that. But we ought not to stand in the way of God's provision and then rail against the provider. God is a loving God and we should not work against him to receive provision. He will supply everything we need if we're walking in obedience, which brings us to our second point. Provision was found in obedience. If you look here, in the text, Jesus tells Peter, Go to the sea, cast a hook, take the first fish, open its mouth, find a shekel. He literally gives him a list of things to do. These are the things you must do, Peter. It was in the act of obedience that the Lord provided, that he found, discovered the Lord's provision. Days gone by, there was a, a king, a ruler of a small kingdom, and he decided one day he wanted to give this speech about everyone pulling together. He gathered those subjects together, and he said, You know, folks, every problem in this kingdom is not mine, but it's ours. This kingdom is ours. I want you to pull together, you to, to, to start doing your own, pulling your own weight in the kingdom and doing your part to better this kingdom. So if you see a problem... Help me handle that problem. The crowd cheered. We're part of the kingdom now. They loved it. After a while, the king wanted to put to the test whether the people were obeying, and so he devised a plan. He rolled a boulder into one of the main roads leading to the palace. Then he slipped off a little ways and hid to see who would move it. He figured it would be moved right away. After all, this was the road used by many of his allies, his courtiers, his uh his um, wealthiest merchants and others in his court, surely one of them would move it. But they didn't. Some rolled up, didn't say much, just kind of found a way around the boulder. Others rolled up to the boulder and looked at it and said, that king is letting these roads get in such terrible shape. It's, somebody ought to do something about that. He kept going. The king was about to give up and roll the boulder out of the way himself when a lowly peasant comes by pulling a cart full of fresh vegetables or whatever. And he decides, I remember the king's speech. I could go around this, but I'm going to do my part. So 
And with a lot of effort and straining and pushing and pulling, he removed the boulder out of the road. And before he went on his way, he looked down, and right where the boulder used to be, there was a, a note from the king. And there was a pouch next to the note. And the, the note read, To whomever finds this purse, it is well deserved. Thank you for your obedience and service to the kingdom. And in the purse was a treasure full of gold coins. This man found provision in the middle of obedience. Now, you're not always going to get gold coins. I mean, Peter and Jesus got coins. You won't always get coins, but you might. They found a provision in the act of obedience. Now, you might be listening and saying, well, sure, God told him to do it. Jesus, if Jesus came and stood in my house and said, Woody, I want you to go do such and such, I'd do it. If he came and told me what to do, I would do it. Would you? Years ago when I was in college, I was taking a class called Spiritual Disciplines, and I said that to my professor one day. I said, you know, life is so hard. i got so many decisions to make. What do I want to be when I grow up? You know, classes and jobs and if and when and where and who I'm going to get married to and where I'm going to live. I just wish God would just take the notebook every night and write in it while I was sleeping, I could wake up the next morning and do everything it said. And he said, Woody, you already have a book that tells you what to do every day. Are you obeying that? Well, I felt pretty ashamed because I walked right into that one. But I had to admit, I was not obeying the words that I already had. And it kind of frightened me, the thought of having words that were so specific, and I knew I wouldn't obey not because I'm a horrible person or anything, but just that's our nature. We already have the words of God, so we have God's word. He can't expect obedience from us. It doesn't mean just because we don't have a bodily manifestation of Jesus, we have an excuse. We have the physical representation of Jesus here in his word. It's full of instruction, and it is while we're following those instructions that we can expect provision. In other words, do not expect God to provide for you in the same way if you're walking contrary to His will. If you're refusing to submit yourself to the will of God, it does not work that way. Ask Abraham. He tried to supply his needs outside of God's will. It didn't work. It ended up causing a big mess. Some other people tried that. There was a guy we know in the Scriptures as the prodigal son. He tried to supply his needs outside of the will of the Father, and he ended up eating slop out of a pig trough while he was in disobedience but he remembered the house of his father and returned he was eating a juicy steak that night don't seek for provision in disobedience search for it by faith and according to god's word you will you will find it you will find it thirdly the sources of god's provision cannot be exhausted this is probably the funnest of the points i admit this is where we've all been headed to, right? We've been waiting on this point, right? The sources of God's provision cannot be exhausted. The two drachma tax guys come up and they ask for money and Peter checks his robe, his coin pouch, no money. He looks at Jesus and Jesus is fresh out. They have no money. If this had been me, I would have considered my sources exhausted, right? I would have just thought, well, I don't have any money, so that's the end of it. Maybe that's the way you and I think. I don't have what I need, so that's the end of it. But not so with the Lord. 
Now we've read this, but let me just read to you again what's happening, okay? Go to the sea, cast a hook, take the first fish that comes up, and when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Really? This has got to be one of the weirdest stories in the text, and crazy, just, but it's beautiful. I love it. They needed some cash, and so God's like, okay, I'll send you a fish. I, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't even think to look in fish when I need money. Anybody here ever look in a fish when you need a little cash? I've never done that. Maybe we should. They got the money out of a random fish's mouth. I'll tell you what I have done. I put my hand in my pocket found a $20 bill. That's pretty awesome. You ever done that? Makes your day. They didn't do that. They didn't spot a coin in the gutter. The temple tax guys didn't say, yeah, don't worry about it this time. Those are likely, God does provide for us in those ways sometimes, but not always. God's not limited to those things that we think, oh, that's a neat coincidence. God's provision is inexhaustible. The sources for, for His provision are inexhaustible. That's why sometimes I think it's detrimental for me to sit around and wonder how God is going to provide. Because what I inevitably do is I rule out all of the ways that I don't think He can provide, and I end up getting more sad, more depressed, more anxious, more worried, because I go, well, He can't do this way. He can't do it that way. I don't have this. I don't have that. That person doesn't have it. And so I sit there and I make a list of all the ways that God cannot provide. Because I'm walking by sight and not by faith. But God produced here... For their needs in the most unusual way. And I want you to note that he produced for their needs through providence. And we've been talking about provision and providence, very similar ideas, but he provided through providence, not coincidence. Okay, so what is providence? God's omniscient, omnipotent cultivation of reality to fit his will and plans and our needs. And prayers together. Huh? What? what is that? Okay, I'll tell you what I'm saying. God knows what you need ahead of time, and He's working to get it to you. That's God's providence. He's already working to get it to you. This was not technically a miracle. I said the word miracle early on, but I want you to note the difference. Okay? It's important, I think. What is the difference? Okay? Miracle. <clears throat> Peter says, Jesus, we need the Temple tax, I don't, and Jesus says, <clears throat> no, no problem, Peter. Let there be money, poof, a shekel. That's a miracle. That would have been amazing. That would have been cool, you know, impressive, neat trick. And frankly, that's how I think God ought to provide for my needs. How about you when I pray? Lord, I, I really need to be healed of this disease. Poof, there you go, you're done, you're healed. Lord, I, I really need some help in this area. I'm struggling with this relationship. Poof, done, fixed. I, I, maybe it is money. Poof, done, money. But that's not the way God works very often. Now, which is more impressive? Let there be a shekel, poof, there's a shekel. Or, many years ago, God orchestrates the birth of a fish, a specific fish, born in a certain region, protected this fish, 
as a, as a minnow all the way up until he could be big enough to eat. He coordinated this fish's eating schedule through weeks, training this fish to go a certain place at a certain time. On the day of need, there was a shekel dropped into the water by someone who didn't need it, I hope. And it flickers through the air just as the fish is walking by, or swimming by, rather. Hits the water. The glint of the coin catches the fish's eye. He strikes it because he has an instinct to do that. The fish, however, too small to swallow the coin. He gets stuck in his mouth. He's still hungry. So he swims on his feeding schedule. Who... <clears throat> Who thinks there's just one person fishing that day? Probably not. He swims by this hook, that hook, another hook, delicious-smelling fish baits, I'm sure, until he finds Peter's hook, latches on to that one. It is the first fish that Peter has caught that day. It comes in, etc., etc. This is an unbelievably complex web of needs and supplies and providential moves of the Lord. Which one is more important? Poof, there's a shekel or this entire series of events that must take place exactly in the right way, exactly in the right time, in order to get exactly what Peter and Jesus need. There's no contest. God's providence is more impressive. It's more beautiful. It feels more loving. God's providence shows me that He has been working to supply the need that I have today Long before I had need of it. Long before I had need of it. Before Jesus was interrupted by Peter and the two, two drachma tax collectors, there was a fish swimming around in the sea with a shekel in its mouth. It's already there waiting. God knows your needs before they are needs. He's been working on your needs before they came into existence. And this is almost always how God supplies our needs. I won't tell you that you're not going to receive some miraculous suspension of the laws of time and space in order to provide for you, but that's not often the case. What we call a miracle might seem miraculous, but it's often God's providence. More beautiful than a miracle, in my opinion. God has been thinking about that need long before it came into view. Now, because of that, sometimes we overlook God's provision because we're not looking for it. We're looking for something cooler, something more fun, something more impactful, spectacular. I mean, we are looking for that miracle, like I mentioned earlier. It reminds me of a story of a man who was caught on an ocean liner in a sinking ship. At first, he was frightened, but then he decided, nope, I'm going to pray and God's going to save me. So he prays, and he believes that God is going to save him and he just begins to wait, wait on God. And it wasn't long before a life raft comes by. And, and, and on the life raft, people are shouting, Hey, friend, friend, hop into the raft. We'll, we'll save you. We'll get you to safety. And he said, No, no thanks. I pray God's going to take care of me. So they move on. A little while later, a rescue boat comes by. Jump in, jump in. We're going to take you to safety. No, nope, that's okay. I've prayed for God's salvation. I'm going to be fine. The water gets higher. The man is standing on the very top cabin. The, the water's rushing around his ankles, and the rescue helicopter comes over and lowers a basket. Sir, we're lowering a basket for you. Climb in. We'll take you to safety. A little frustrated at this point, the man says, No, thank you. I don't need your basket. I have faith that God is going to save me. Well, the helicopter reluctantly pulls away to go save others. 
leaving the man behind, the boat sinks and the man drowns. Wakes up, opens his eyes in heaven. And as he's opened his eyes, he sees God. And he says, oh great, there you are. Where were you when I needed your help? Sometimes we look right past God's provision because it doesn't come in the package that we expect or that we want. Open your eyes to the provision of God all around you. It comes in ways that you couldn't possibly imagine, and it's always there. Let me put it to you this way. If you have anything that you need, it is because God has provided it. Everything that we have, it is because God has provided it. And His sources of provision are inexhaustible. Lastly, this point is a little different on the screen, I believe, but God's provision yields faith and more provision. God's provision yields faith and more provision. Have you ever been there? You've been there with a need? Just getting right down to it. Have you ever been there with a need and you did not know how it was going to be supplied? Did not know how you were going to make it? No source for supplying it. I don't see how it's going to happen. Again, maybe it was money, maybe it wasn't. We don't know how it's going to work out. I've been there. When Kylie and I were young marrieds, we had some tough times. There was a time specifically I remember we just flat out didn't have enough money to pay the bills. We'd gotten to the end of the month there. There was not enough money left over. She was between jobs. I know this will shock you, but she was pregnant. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was tight. So we're sitting there in the den trying to decide what bills we're going to pay, what bills we're going to let go, how we're going to make it. Literally, and at that moment, there was a knock on our front door, and it was a couple from our church. And the man just said, I need to talk to you. I thought, uh-oh, something's wrong. <laughs> so they came in. I said, sure, come on in. They came in. And he began to tell me the story, how not too long ago, they had fallen on hard times, and somebody had come along to them to bless them, to provide for them. The Lord had sent someone in their pathway. And then with a, a tear forming in his eyes, he said, the Lord sent me to you today. I didn't know why or what was going on, and he handed me an envelope full of cash. And it, it did, it helped us. We paid our bills, we bought groceries, <laughs> we bought gas. It could have been any one of a number of people, it could have come from any one of a number of places, but God sent those beautiful people to my house that night with a shekel in their mouth not knowing why or what. I don't know if they ever knew the extent of what they did for us. You see, this is a point I'm going to make that maybe not is directly here in the story, but sometimes you're the fisherman and sometimes you're the fish. Sometimes you're the fish. Sometimes it's you who's to bear that shekel, carry it to someone in need or in obedience to the Lord, you may not even understand what you're doing or why. 
listening to the Lord's leading. And see, God had provided for them and they were providing for someone else. God's provision often leads to faith and it leads to more provision. It's a beautiful thing. Sometimes we're the recipient, sometimes we're the giver. But God will provide not just your needs, but allow you to provide the needs of others. And again, don't think just in terms of money. Sometimes it's a shoulder to cry on. Sometimes it's a helping hand when there's a need. It, it could be a myriad of things. But God knows your true needs. He knows them before you do. If you're living a life of obedience, trying to do your best, you can't exhaust God's sources of provision. And God's amazing provision yields more provision through us. So I want to challenge you not only to look around and see God's provision, look for those fish, but be a fish yourself. Carry that shekel around. You never know when someone's going to need it. I'm sure God has sent plenty of those your way. So yeah, I hope somebody in the near future looks over here at First Baptist Church and says, there's something fishy going on over there. I can't quite put my finger on it. I, something's off. Something's not normal. Something is happening there. God is at work, and that will be a good thing. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of response here for you to pray and respond to God this morning. And I just want to let you know, if you'd like someone to pray with you today, I will be down front here to pray about whatever it is, a need or anything. If you'd like to join our fellowship this morning, I'd love to talk with you about the next steps for joining First Baptist Church. Or maybe today you've been struggling with sin in your life. You want to talk with someone about how to come to this Lord who provides well, today is the day, my friend. And if you don't want to come down front here, that's fine. You can make an appointment, call the office, and I'll meet with you anytime, talk with you about the Lord. I'd love to do that with you. After this prayer, won't you come this morning?